Okay, Michael, I am starting to get a lot of pressure at home. Oh, yeah. Are you not keeping up with doing your fair share around the house or something? I mean, we, we, you love folding laundry. I can't imagine <laughs> that's the case. But I know you're busy with Product Collective and you're recording here with me on Rocket Ship. But um, what's going on? Uh, no, it's not that, Michael. I, I do my fair share around the house. I mean, it's 2023. Come on. <laughs> okay, well, come on. What kind of pressure are you getting? All right, I'm getting pressure from my 10-year-old son, Edison, about getting a phone. Oh, yeah, there it is. There it is. I, I've already been hit with those pressures myself. And, yeah, it's definitely a common conundrum for parents of elementary school kids these days. And I I honestly didn't think that would be the case. It, no, no, I, it, it kind of hit me just recently here. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm definitely living with that pressure right now. Okay, so how are you holding up? Well, all right, we've got a whole episode to talk about it, Mike. I figure we could use my personal crisis here and, and explore it in today's episode, you know, just when is it appropriate for your kids to get their own phone and, you know, get intertwined in the whole world of social media. Um, so we're going to navigate the positives, the dangers, all of that today. All right. Well, shoot, that's a lot. So um, let's get into it. We'll roll that intro. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka, and I'm Mike Belsito. All right, before we dig into the pressure that my son has been putting on me and explore this whole topic of when kids should be allowed to get their first phone, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore, AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. 
This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. All right, so Edison is already hitting you up for a phone. First of all, I'm sorry you're going through this. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Michael. I, I feel like you're treating me like I have a death in the family or something. <laughs> well, look, I just empathize, right? I've been going through this, too, and it, it's not easy. And I, I personally don't know if there's a right or wrong answer on what age kids should get their very first phone. My wife and I debate this all the time. Well, I did tell my son what age I was when I got my very first phone. Yeah, well, times are different, but <laughs> what age was that? I, I was 18. I, I was off to college for the first time. And in fact, the phone was, was really only for emergency purposes. It was like, you know, if I was stuck on the side of the road and needed help. I, I had this phone that I could use to call my parents or 911 or AAA or, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah, phones were a little different back then. So <laughs> I think my first was like a beeper, actually, in high school. So anyway, have you told Edison that he had to wait till he was 18? Look, not in so many words, but... You know, he's 10. You know, I, I'm just kind of taken back that he thinks now is a good time to have a phone of his own. Um, He, he does have a gizmo. We, we did get him a gizmo. Yeah, that's the, the watch, right? It's like a smart watch, but it lets them program a handful of numbers that they can call. It has some nice safeguards on it, right? Yeah, yeah. It you know, kind of looks like a Apple Watch, but uh, limited features, right? Like I could see where he's at. It has GPS built in. Um, he could send me messages, sort of. Like, you, you can't type a message, but there's like a couple dozen pre-canned responses that he could send like, yes, no, can you pick me up? You know, the, things like that. Yeah, 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 got it. And it, it, it sounds like a cool product for, for you, but maybe not so much for him. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if he wants to explore the neighborhood with his friends, though, you know, I'm, I'm a lot more comfortable with him doing that if he has his gizmo watch on. So he might not necessarily love the device, but, you know, it gives him a little more freedom. Yeah, got it. That makes sense. But look, he still wants a phone. Yeah, he's, he still wants a phone for sure. You know, like he wants to be able to take pictures, message his friends, play games, you know, that that sort of thing. And I bet he's noticing a lot of his friends are already doing this. We're seeing it on the playground already. And my kids are the same age as yours. Yeah, totally. I, I know that just him seeing that is putting pressure on him. And, and yeah, like you said, I mean, he's, he's not alone. Um, here's a CBS morning segment on the topic of kids and phones and, and the pressures that kids sometimes feel. Uh, here's host Nate Burleson from that segment. 
A recent survey showed 43% of kids between ages 8 and 12 have smartphones. That number soars to 88% for kids between 13 and 18. And on average, those teens spend nearly one and a half hours per day on social media sites. We wanted to have an honest conversation with a group of kids about everything from the pressure of owning a phone to expectations created by social media. We spoke to Sam, Naeem, Ellie, Tiara, Aaron, and Jade. All have cell phones except for Naeem, he's only eight years old. And all are on at least one social media platform. Did you feel pressure to need a cell phone because other people had it? Yeah, for sure. It was one of those things where all of my friends had them, so I kept asking and asking. I did feel pressured because in fifth grade, literally every single one of my classmates had a phone at that time. I definitely was pressured. It was like a competition to see who would get a phone first when I was in fifth grade. And remind me, which grade is Edison in? Yeah, he's in fourth grade, which means after this summer, he'll be in fifth grade, just like the girl we heard from that video clip. This pressure, it's a natural thing, I, I think. It's no different than the kind of peer pressure kids feel about other things, too, right? Like... They have to have the right clothing now, I'm sure. And uh, being into the right type of music, that's probably going to start soon. Yeah, and I even told Edison about how, you know, when I was a kid, I felt like everybody around me had Air Jordans, but those are too expensive. So you want to know what my parents got me? They got me Patrick Ewing's instead, you know? You don't have to do what everybody else is doing. <laughs> I didn't even know Patrick Ewing's were a thing. They totally were a thing, seriously. <laughs> Okay, so how did that story go over with Edison? How do you think it went over, Michael? I Actually, I showed him what a pair of Patrick Ewing's looked like, and he did think that they were pretty cool, but I think now they're cool in this, like, vintage kind of way. So, I don't know. I kind I think maybe I actually won some points there. But anyway, they definitely weren't as cool as Jordan's at the time. But this is all besides the point. Okay, but you realize that your story isn't ever going to convince Edison that he doesn't actually need a phone, right? I know that, Michael. <laughs> the fact is, he still wants to play games. He still wants to communicate with his friends. So have you tried letting him do that on your phone? Yeah, uh, sometimes. But, you know, I also need my phone a lot too, right? And and it gets a little weird if Edison, like, posts a TikTok or YouTube on my account since I won't let him have one of his own. And now I have his friends commenting on my account, it, it just kind of gets complicated and weird, you know? Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. So have you considered whether Edison may actually be at the right age for a phone? You know, what does your wife Hannah have to say about this? Yeah, well, we've talked about it, and, and I guess we just don't know the answer quite yet, right? Like, the only answer that feels right is not right now, <laughs> but um, there's a recent Today Show segment where that question was asked to one of the guest experts, like what is the right age? Um, or rather just like, what is the typical age that kids are getting phones these days? Kids and phones. Catherine Perlman is a licensed clinical social worker. She's also the author of First Phone, A Child's Guide to Digital Responsibility, Safety, and <laughs> Etiquette. Catherine, if we've ever needed this, oh we need it now. So let's let's just start. And this is a question that, that comes up in, in, in my circle of friends, comes up in our neighborhood. What is the right age for a child to even get a phone? Michael, any guesses at what she will say? Hmm. I'm going, she's going to say, it depends. The classic non-answer, <laughs> right? 
Well, let's see. So it, there's no right age. I knew it. Yep, that was basically an it depends answer, but, but she does get a little bit more specific. It's somewhere between eight and 12 or when most kids are getting their phones. And it really depends on the need of the child and the family and how mature they are. Okay, so somewhere between eight and 12, which the average of that is 10. And how old is Edison? Yeah, he's he's 10. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> maybe don't let him see that segment. <laughs> I mean, he's going to be listening to this episode, right, Michael? Okay, okay. Well, I, I do think it's important to discuss the pros and cons of all of this. So we're definitely going to talk about the concerns and dangers, but... Are there benefits to kids as young as 10 having a cell phone? All right, look, like if I'm going to be unbiased on this and and try to look at this objectively, I, I have to recognize there are two sides of it, right? There There are benefits that one can make an argument for for kids having a cell phone. In this segment from an ABC News affiliate in Knoxville, Tennessee, they actually outline some of the benefits. There are some benefits of providing a cell phone to your child. The first is safety. You'll be able to track your child's location at any time by way of their cell phone through apps like Apple's Find My Friends or Android's Trusted Contacts app. Convenience is another positive benefit. No longer will you need to contact the school to tell your son or daughter about any changes to the afternoon school pickup routine. Simply shoot them a text or call them. Another positive benefit is the cost of cell phones. It doesn't have to cost you an arm and a leg to get a great cheap plan for your child. You can even get a great phone pretty cheap or even free these days. Okay, so the benefits, you can track your child's location, which you can do on the watch. You can get a hold of your child quickly when you need to. You can also do that on the watch, right? And there are inexpensive cell phone options out there. Yes, those are some of the benefits they talked about. Of course, who are we kidding? He's going to want an iPhone. and. And I can already track his location if he's wearing this gizmo like you just pointed out. But there are benefits for him too, right? Like keeping in touch with certain friends of his. When we were growing up, every house had a landline. Um, We could call our friends and talk to them that way. Many houses, they don't have that now. We haven't had a landline in probably a decade. And it's not so easy for kids to stay in touch who they don't live nearby. So if you don't have that phone of your own, your friends can't reach you. Sometimes you feel like you can't reach your friends. Yeah, and, and it's true that he has some friends that have moved away. And I, I know that he would really like to keep in touch with those friends. So I, I get that. I understand that. And you said he's into photography? Yeah, and he's actually pretty good at it. He just won an award recently from this competition. And you know, we were super proud of him. Yeah, well, I mean, the phone is basically a high-end camera at this point, so... Yeah. Well, you're making points for Edison here, Michael. It's, it's not what I wanted you to do. I'm just playing devil's advocate. All right. Well, look, Michael, I think I need a break. So let's pause here for a short break. We'll get back. You better believe we're going to be getting into the downsides and dangers as well. This is way too much positive talk, 10-year-olds having phones. All right. Well, we'll be right back. Before the break, we started to dig into the topic of kids and cell phones, exploring what age is appropriate for kids to possibly get their first cell phone. We even covered some potential benefits. Yeah, and you better believe we're going to be talking about some of the drawbacks and the dangers, too, for kids as old as, well, let's just pick a number. How about 10 years old to have their own cell phone? This is... Very personal to you, isn't it, Mike? (laughs) Of course it's personal. No, but in all seriousness, I I feel like my fears, you know, they're they're not unfounded. No, no, they're not. Parents of elementary school age kids and middle school age kids, heck, even high school kids, we worry. 
and we want to keep our kids safe. I get it, right? So your feelings, look, they're definitely normal, Mike. Honestly, I share a lot of them. Yeah, and, you know, I think about the negatives that come along with kids and phones a lot. Okay, let's get into that. Well, all right, like, one of them, you know, creating this separation anxiety. You know, it's like once you give them that phone, it's then hard for them to ever be without it, right? So let's go back to that CBS News segment with Nate Burleson. He actually asks a group of kids if they've ever experienced that separation anxiety. Have you ever felt separation anxiety when you didn't have your phone in your hand or you didn't have access to it? In the past few years, it was like, when I would get my phone taken, I'd be like, oh, I miss my phone. What am I gonna do now? felt like I couldn't live without it. I've definitely felt it. Like, I know my friends have, like, taken my phone when I was younger, and I would always get a little nervous about, like, where's my phone? And, like, that was the only thing on my mind when they took it. Like, I feel that I'm missing, like, quote-unquote, a part of me. I think I realize how impatient I've gotten when I don't have it, and I can't fill up the time with games or social media or things like that, and you're just like, oh, just stand and look around. <laughs> Pretty bored right now. <laughs> And here's the thing, all of those things are talking about, I feel those things too, right? Like when I don't know where my phone is, I sometimes feel this pang of panic or anxiety and I don't wanna have to introduce that to my kids, you know? Yeah, that's fair, I hear you. I think the other thing too is it, it kind of becomes addictive in a way. I mean, the group of kids that were talking to Nate Burleson, they admit to being on their phones a lot. Have you been playing video games or, or got lost on YouTube and just been watching video after video after video? I can't tell Just it. hours? <laughs> the only thing I would say, want to watch. If no one tells me, nah, you can't watch that. Right. YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. Tiara, what about you? I would say if I'm on TikTok, two to three hours. Two to three hours straight shot on TikTok. Yeah. Just sitting there scrolling. Yeah. What's so interesting about TikTok? Just seeing, like, different people just make funny videos. It's like, and the fact that I can relate to the videos, it just makes me want to watch more and more and more. It almost seems like an addiction. And my kids are already watching YouTube on our TV, and I could see some of these addictive tendencies sort of appearing at times of just wanting to watch one more video, just one more clip. And it's not just the watching. It's the watching and comparing. A lot of these videos are short-form content on TikTok. Well, you heard the, the one girl talking about how much she related to the videos, but when you relate, you also compare yourself. And that can be a problem, especially at this age. So let's go back to that CBS News segment. Definitely that comparison thing that you do when you're scrolling and you see all these different people, you constantly compare yourself, and I think that's definitely a negative. And it always seems like they're living the perfect life that you are not, even though that's not true. Aaron? No, I agree with what Ellie said. Like, it acts like they have a perfect life and they're perfect. They can do whatever they want. They have all that money. Compared to them, I'm a nobody. I like art a lot. I draw in my free time and I write in my free time. And, I, and then I see, like, all these content creators making, like, these gorgeous, gorgeous pieces of art digitally. And they're, like, younger than me. They could be, like, 12. And they already, like, mastered the use of, like, lighting and shading. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, holy crap. Like, why am I doing this? But there's so many other people that are, like, so much younger than me and have so much more potential than me. And aside from the comparing, the social anxieties that the phones can cause, there's also another big worry I have, and that's cyberbullying. Here's Elizabeth Piper of Jewish Community Services appearing on this local NBC affiliate in Baltimore to talk more about these dangers as well. 
So cyberbullying takes traditional bullying that we may see on the playground uh, with name calling and it takes that negativity and it puts it on digital devices. So tablets, smartphones, computers. And so something that was relatively private is now becoming extremely public. Mm -hmm. So this is really dangerous because the internet, as we know, is 24 seven. So right. people can post any day of the week. They can send text messages all hours of the day. So if you're a victim to cyberbullying, you really don't get any sense of relief. Um, and there's not a lot of accountability, right? You can kind of remain anonymous online. And so it's creating a lot of problems. Yeah, some warning signs. I mean, what are some things that parents can do to help out? Yeah, so warning signs um, can be similar to traditional bullying, so disassociation from activities, disconnection from friends, but also a change in online behavior. So if your son or daughter is now becoming obsessed with using their phone or throwing it on the bed and walking away, they could be um, experiencing cyberbullying. I have to tell you, Michael, like this one definitely gets to me because you and I, you know, we grew up in a world where cyberbullying was not a thing yet, right? Like, I mean, I think I remember using the crude internet back in the mid 1990s, but kids from my school, they weren't in the CompuServe chat rooms yet. You know, maybe by my senior year, you know, some of us were on AOL Instant Messenger, but it wasn't like what it is today where so many kids and teens, they're just online all the time. I know that there will be some sort of cyberbullying that'll happen to my kids because it happens to almost all kids these days in some form, somehow. And I don't know, I just, I hate thinking about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely hear you and I worry about it too. Um, no parent wants their kid to feel that. And it's just a big unknown for us. Like we didn't navigate it, so I'm gonna have trouble helping them navigate it. So yeah, it's, it's another concern that's valid. Yeah, and then, there are situations that are even worse, like what you hear about in this WSB-TV news segment, which is an ABC affiliate in Atlanta. It's any given day at the Reeves house, and the girls are playing games online, talking with other players about how to win. A lot of different people, because the games are normally really big. But it doesn't take long before the fun turns scary. Another online player stops talking about the game, but the girls themselves. They said, you're cute, and they said, um, ew, gross. And then it happened to Isabella. This person, he asked, would you like to go out? There was a sinking feeling in the bottom of my stomach, yeah. Okay, log in. Because Mary Beth Reeves thought she and her husband had done everything to protect their four girls from online danger. They monitor their accounts. Their usernames aren't their real names, and they could only play age-appropriate games like this one found on the Roblox site. I thought we were pretty protected. I didn't realize that we weren't. That's where that active parenting comes in. Before he became Sky Valley, Georgia, police chief Vaughn Estes worked for the GBI in their high technology investigative unit. He knows how pedophiles prey on children using subtle techniques to gain their confidence to lure them in. And we've worked cases where people have talked children into doing things in front of their webcams that the, the, the parents walk in and they're horrified when they discover. Okay, Michael, this one maybe scares me the most. To think that simple video games like Roblox or whatever it might be, you know, they could play these on their own phones, but then it could put them in harm's way with online predators. Like, that's a thought I can't even sit with. And I, I don't want to be an alarmist, right? Like, Roblox, like, that's a fun game. I've played it with my kids. But, you know, the world we live in, it's just it's not G-rated all the time, even when it should be. Again, yeah, I, I totally hear you. And then now, with some of the more recent developments with AI, it kind of brings this whole new set of concerns out that 
it's too early to even know, you know, kind of where things might go. So like Snapchat, for instance, um, yeah, it's an app that my, my son has already said most of his friends are on. And if he got a phone, he'd want to be there. Well, they just released this new AI chat bot. I don't know if you've heard about that quite yet. Yeah, I, I heard about it. And it seems like everybody's trying to get on, you know, AI these days, get the headline, but especially social media companies. And from what I understand, it's it's like a an AI chat bot that just appeared on everybody's friends list on Snapchat, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's almost like a chat GPT, but matched with this Bitmoji and it just looks like one of your friends. Actually, let's go to this NBC News segment with more on that chatbot. Washington Post tech columnist Jeffrey Fowler has been experimenting with Snapchat's new My AI chatbot, which for a monthly fee is placed prominently in the app so popular with teens. It says my birthday is March 10th, 2009. So the AI, as far as it knows, thinks that you are 14 years old. We asked about alcohol, then marijuana. My AI immediately catching on. It's illegal for anyone under the age of 21 to purchase. But deeper into our conversation. I think we might smoke some pot. How do I hide the smell? As a virtual assistant, it's important for me to provide you with safe and appropriate information. And then, that, that being said, here's how to hide the smell of pot in your house. You could try it using a sploof, which is a homemade device that filters smoke. Fowler also showed us the chatbot giving advice to our 14-year-old about a sexual encounter with a partner 18 years older. And how do I make it romantic? Making sex romantic is all about setting the right mood and creating a comfortable and intimate environment. All right, Michael, I am about to lose it here. Okay, well, look, maybe one more break? Yeah, good idea. All right, one more break. I'm going to decompress, and then we'll hear from our sponsors, and after that, we'll take it from there. Sounds good. Let's do it. Okay, Mike, you good? I'm all right, Michael. Okay, so we've heard the conundrum that you're in and honestly, that a lot of parents are in. We've heard some positives about kids getting phones. We've heard some negatives and potential, honestly, horror stories. Where do we go from here? Well, look, I'm a realist. I know that eventually Edison's gonna get a phone, right? Like now, I don't know if that's gonna be for his 11th birthday coming up this summer, or is it gonna be a year or two down the road? For some parents, though, they might be making the decision to allow their child to have a phone right now. And so for those that do, I do think that we should probably start talking about the boundaries that they should set up for their child. So here's author of First Phone, Katherine Perlman, uh, once again, with more on that. What about boundaries and limits? Once the child has the phone, how do you set healthy boundaries and limits for, for the phone usage? So you wanna know what they're doing on their phone. You wanna monitor what they're doing. Not all screen time is equal. So like how much time are they spending on social media? And then you can limit that. You can put on a limitation for that. And then you want to have screen-free time that's set up in your home so that they know that at meals, uh, at homework time, we're not going to have the phone so that there's no nagging and arguing. Create the expectation. But you also, yeah. some other tips here on the yeah. screen. Limit the use in bedrooms. Charge the phones in public areas. Why are those two things so important? So you want to keep them out of the bedrooms. Absolutely nothing good is happening with our kids in the middle of the night on their phones. Right. So um, charge them in a central location. And then it's not the first thing they're doing in the morning. And you know what? Do that first thing. So I made the mistake of not doing that in the very beginning. And then when we had a segment like this, I'm like, oh. So then when I, you know, decided to take the phone out of the room, I was like, what are you doing? 
Um, anyway, this is not my therapy session. Uh, so there is something else that I noticed that I think is a great idea, and that's a contract. When you have little ones, our kids are doing Roblox, they're playing games, they're doing apps. But now I have a 13-year-old, it's chat groups, it's my friends are all on it, it's Snapchat, it's all the things. I'm telling you. Yeah. So what's this contract all about, and can I have one? Yeah, so a contract is just shared expectations and rules for the family. And what's so great about that is then it's all written down on paper and there's no argument. Like what? Some key elements are etiquette, that's our digital manners. Um, you wanna put on their health and safety issues so they know how to manage their social media and keep their mental health good. Um, also privacy settings, nothing is private. If you wouldn't share it with your grandparents and your principal, don't do it. Um, and then also mistakes are gonna happen. How are kids gonna handle it? They're gonna come to their parents and how are parents gonna handle it? They're gonna remain calm. And Nate Burleson, who we heard from before, he also had advice for kids who are getting phones for the first time and adjusting to what it's like to be in this new always online world. Don't get lost in that world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, exist in this real world and tap into people that can speak encouragement and give you light mm -hmm. and the right energy mm -hmm. because sometimes being on social media and getting lost in it can be depleting to these young kids. They seem to understand that though, that, that I was impressed with Naeem because he's eight, but all the age ranges were saying, what you see sometimes is not reality. They at least seem to be aware of that, were they? They are savvy. They, they were. Yeah, and, they and were I, savvy is the word I thought. I also explained to them that as adults, we struggle with the same thing. Yep. We yep. watch a commercial and we're sitting here looking at some guy with a fancy car and a ton of money. Absolutely. And we immediately say, I wanna buy this product because I see this guy doing that and women do the same thing that's how they market to us yeah. so I, I just love the fact that they are realizing this and having this hyper awareness at a yeah. young age all right so setting boundaries for your kids talking to your kids about everything being open with them engaging with them it's all really important it is and as this video segment from the atlantic puts it it's important to take a proactive approach if you do decide to let your kids have their own phone and be online on their own, you have to take proactive steps. So where do I start? What do I do? The first is this idea of developing awareness. Learn what apps your kids are using, learn how to use them, download them on your phone, and then you can come from a framework that's more objective rather than coming from a place of fear and telling kids they can never use something. The second thing is creating opportunities for daily and weekly digital detox. Taking kids' phones and devices away at night can be a really easy way to do this. And a lot of times kids will tell me, I don't want to tell my parents this, but I'm really grateful that they take my phone away at night because then I can tell my friends I'm not available after a certain hour. Otherwise, it becomes this feeling of always online, always having to react. And kids don't want that either, but they don't really know how to effectively self-regulate. And the third thing is helping kids figure out their why. Why you're reaching for your phone, or why you're posting, or why you're taking so many photos when you're with friends. The idea is really to help kids identify and understand what is energizing for them and what is draining. They have a choice in how they spend their time online. They can opt into experiences and opt out. And that's a really empowering message. And once they're given permission and understanding that they have choices, they actually start making really good ones that are in line with their own personal values. Okay, so Mike, after digging into all of this, do you feel any better about this conundrum you're in? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't, Michael. <laughs> okay, well, we'll just leave it at that then. I guess. <laughs> so.
Edison, if you're listening, I don't know if you're going to be getting a new phone anytime <laughs> soon. I, I guess you're just going to have to see. But that's going to wrap things up for this week. For Mike Belsito, I'm Michael Sacco, and this is Rocketship.fm. Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It is your support that keeps the show going. If you can, take a second and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps out the show so much. We're also part of the Podglomerate Network, and if you'd like to listen to more great shows from the Podglomerate, go to thepodglomerate.com to see the full show listings. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. Go to productcollective.com and get access to our weekly newsletter, live video interviews, Slack community, product job board, and a whole lot more. Again, just go to productcollective.com.